0: Welcome to episode twenty-four.
1: Welcome to fifteen minutes with the doctor, the fifteen-minute appointment where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators, so you can grow your idea of business. Uh huh. To say hello to your host,
0: Dr. Vinay Shankar. Dr. Vinay Shankar. Our guest. On this episode of 15 Minutes with a Doctor is John Ramsey. He's the chief exec of Shift8. It has introduced the Tova Tafel to the UK. It allows light projections on any table surface and allows users to play musical, sports and other types of games while having a safe space to engage with others. It is aimed at those with dementia and learning disabilities learn about John's personal story into healthcare innovation, what the Tova Tafel is and its benefits, and how its use is growing rapidly here in the UK. I'd love to hear your feedback about the show, so find me on Twitter at Vinay Shankar or drop me an email through the website. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, John. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. You're from Shift 8 and we're going to talk a little bit about today about Tova Tafel, which is also known as Magic Table.
1: Yeah, yeah. Excited. Looking forward to it.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on at the moment.
1: So I'm the CEO and founder of a social enterprise called Shift 8 and we set up our little venture to try and help the most isolated people in society experience happy moments and really connect with the world around them. And we do this by introducing proven technology and services into their lives. And this all started through the Tova Tafel, which means magic table, and trying to actually help some of the most cognitively impaired people who are often, therefore, the most isolated in society. And specifically here, we started looking at those living with dementia and um, started about three years ago. And it's really exciting because we're up to nearly 600 care centres across the UK and Ireland and affecting nearly 10,000 loved ones living with cognitive impairment each and every day.
0: Okay, that sounds interesting. Lots to dive into there. Tell us how you came across the Tova or Magic Table.
1: So um, the Tova was actually christened the Tova because one of the first loved ones to ever play with it actually turned to my friend Hester, who had created this as part of her PhD in Holland, and said to the room that, um, I know what this is. This is a tovertafel. This is a magic table in Dutch. And that's where it sort of all began hearing about this, because my friend Hester had um, set a challenge to try and work out how can you create enjoyment in loved ones living with dementia, especially those at the mid to late stages. And through her PhD, she sort of was looking at activities to engage your loved ones and engage them with, you know, carers, staff and, and their family and friends. And a bit by luck, stumbling across Interactive Lights, she actually realized that the um, Interactive Lights would be an amazing way of connecting someone physically, socially and cognitively. If you get the right level of the activity in front of you, which I can go on to explain in a bit. But it really was through a chance meeting with my friend Hester and her telling me a bit about her story that I came across this. And um, having been a corporate lawyer at the time, I realized that I wanted to do something a little bit more meaningful towards myself. And this seemed like the perfect fit.
0: So you have little background in healthcare, so you've got a law background, but you were interested in this product which your friend had built.
1: I have a very personal connection to dementia because sadly my father, who was a consultant at Guy's and Tommy's in London, was diagnosed with dementia when I was just 12 and he was only 52. And he spent 10 years on his journey and I was caring for him along with my family. So when I heard about something that would make a difference to those living with dementia and make them smile, make them engage with the world around them, which frankly speaking was very, very tough for my dad. I realized that maybe corporate law wasn't for me and this was my calling. And I believe in lots in fate and this seems to be the right direction. And, you know, I haven't looked back since a world away from mergers and acquisitions in the city, but um, amazing to see the effect that we're we're producing
0: each and every day you got a really personal story behind that. But I guess in terms of your law background, that must really help in trying to set up and develop certain aspects of your business now with, with the Tova Tafel.
1: In many ways, it has. In some ways, it might not have. What it has done is given me the confidence to believe in my own convictions and probably helped me produce more of an analytical way of thinking and organised approach to structuring a social enterprise and making sure that I'm really looking at the outcomes and hitting goals and targets so that we are having an effect. And we've put in place something called the Tova Tafel or Magic Table Buddy System, where we actually reach out to local schools around each magic table installed in a care centre and try and get you know secondary school kids and primary school kids to come in and visit once a week and therefore create intergenerational activity. So that's really helped. But on the other side, being locked away in a big city law firm dealing with extremely high-end companies and big value deals, you're a world away from the reality of what it's like to live in a care home. And obviously, I had been exposed to that with my dad, but I've learned so much in the last few years visiting hundreds and hundreds of care homes and really seeing quite often, sadly, how little there is to interact and how people are sort of extremely passive, borderline, quite depressed sometimes. And how we as society really need to to change the way we we care for our loved ones and really use the technology and the services and the inspiration and motivation that's out there to change their lives.
0: I think before we get into some of the finer details and the research and and how you're you're building the project, I think it would really help listeners if you could try and talk us through how it works in action. I would say it's great to watch some of you videos that you've got online through Twitter and things like that but could you give um, listeners a sense of how it works?
1: Yeah well please it's obviously best seen in in practice so please do have a look and google magic table and dementia and you will see a lot of the news articles that we've appeared in and the videos we were on Sky News a while ago and that was really great. So what it is basically is a projector in a box that is installed in your ceiling and the projector projects Lights down onto any surface and onto any table. And via an infrared sensor, it can actually detect the movement of your hand and arms underneath the lights. So, put simply, you can actually play with the light projected in front of you. So, say there are leaves projected, you can sweep the leaves, or there are bubbles there, you can pop them, or you can try and catch fish. Um, to passing a ball around to painting a picture and playing musical instruments and uh, winding up a music box a whole host of activities. But the key about what we've done is that we've taken each and every activity and made sure that it works to the best of our capabilities with our loved ones. So we do a process of co-design And we look at the loved one living with the cognitive impairment. We put them in the middle and we work out what is the most appropriate activity for them to get them engaged, not just on a personal level, but with the world around
0: them. So it's primarily about engaging. The videos that I saw were people with dementia who were suffering with things like apathy, which is lack of motivation. And one of the videos that I saw was a group of people with dementia and they were just passing the ball to each other, the video was really good to see how how engaged the the um they became with with a simple game in which they can have within the care home in a safe setting
1: yeah exactly that so that's kind of the beauty of it is the simplicity and I suppose where other activities sometimes fall down, so especially when you're on your mid to late stages of your journey with dementia. You don't need hundreds of things. You can get easily overwhelmed and you need to avoid elements of competition that can lead to frustration. So through the PhD and subsequent, I mean, we've done 60 studies since on the magic table. Um, what we've really seen is, yes, as you quite rightly pointed out, that unfortunately on your mid to stages, about 90% of loved ones become extremely passive and withdrawn. But it doesn't mean that you have to throw lots of, at them to get them out of their shell and get them engaging what you actually need to do is focus on three key areas and it's those that are capable of reminiscence relaxation and sensory stimulation because if you can activate those parts of the brain you create engagement and it's that that creates the happiness and will relieve someone sometimes from the stress and the confusion that they're going through but really get them out of the passivity and as you said the apathy that they're experiencing and that's what our lots of our research has shown us but We've also seen incredible increase in social engagement, in physical movements, in happiness. We've actually got a couple of studies on how it's benefited carers and staff members to really start connecting once again with their loved ones. It's a world away from, you know, sometimes your classic or what people might say is your standard care home idea, which is having people living with dementia sat in big armchairs around the side of the room, often asleep, not really engaging with the world around them. But here they're sat around a table together talking, laughing, giggling, or even just focusing on something. Because, you know, some people have different capabilities and it's just absolutely magical to see.
0: What I liked also was the fact that it encouraged some physical movement in a group of patients or people that might not have much physical movement. I know it's not a lot, but any activity or any movement is is good in terms of just trying to more mental and and physical well-being as well. Talk me through a little bit about the design process of the games. You said you mentioned co-design there. How have you designed the games or how do you approach the process of designing the games?
1: So every game goes through at least a year or two of testing. And what would happen is, you know, at the very start, there were uh, lots and lots of ideas and they reduced them down to eight or 10 activities. And since then, a further 10 have been produced. It's a very high bar and um, what will happen is an idea will be formed. Often, sometimes care home staff might come with an idea and then our research and the design team will put that idea together and then they will go and test them in care homes and see how can you make the right colours, the right level of movement, the right you know, engagement, the right topic to be as inclusive as possible so you really want to be able to see that there's a physical element so you can move the lights there's also just a cognitive there's something that's of interest that will keep the focus and there's a way of making those around the table do something together so that they feel socially engaged because often just sitting there and feeling socially engaged even if you can't reach out anymore you're not necessarily always focused on it can still be an incredible achievement.
0: I guess you're also looking to make sure that the games don't have any adverse effects or, or there's no risk. Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we're, we're very open to hearing if there are, and there really don't seem to be. People would tell us we'd be hearing about this and we'd be checking. Um, we're definitely focusing more on what we can achieve with the games. And I mean, you know, we we understand that not everyone loves music, not everyone loves sport, but that's just, the world in general. So there are enough ranges of activities to hopefully intrigue and make sure that anyone would be engaged.
0: I'm thinking about some of the patients that have come across with dementia and just returning to that aspect of adverse effects or risk. How has it affected or how have people who who suffer with dementia, who are sometimes aggressive, how have they responded to the use of the magic table or is there limited use with them or how, how has that been?
1: One of our first ever clients was actually in an acute ward um, in Poole um, at a hospital where you know the doors are locked, you have to wear an alarm because often with um, early onset dementia and uh, obviously very physically able people, You know, I can't blame them at all. It can be very frustrating and they can therefore maybe become slightly, you know, they're not themselves and they are a little exuberant, shall we say. But um, what we saw was incredible because actually we have this bubbles game and I remember this guy really, really well. Um, You know, he was upset. He was sort of hitting the windows and the doors and shouting and trying to, you know, get out of the room. He put the bubbles on, he came down, started hitting all the bubbles and then he slowed down a bit. And then he did it for five, 10 minutes. And then actually some of his frustration went and he just sat down and started talking. And it's like, that's the effect because you've actually managed to engage the brain. You're then able to kind of pierce through some of the confusion that you're having. It's a bit like how music can have that effect and, you know, how smells can sometimes have that effect for loved ones. Um, You know, it's not going to cure anyone. So it's definitely going to help slow down a bit of their cognitive decline. And what it's really going to do is provide those moments of happiness where they can engage with that community around them.
0: I guess it's going back to the product being or providing something that's safe in that often with, by interacting with it, with the light, is it's a safe place to be frustrated potentially, if that makes sense.
1: Well, absolutely nothing can go wrong. It's just light on a table. Yep,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: So it's not an object that can be thrown, that can be swallowed, that can be broken. If anyone was ever upset by it, you just turn the lights off and you're at the table. It's in your living room, it's in your dining room, so you've not been taken to a corner somewhere, or it's in a very naturalised and normal environment for for loved ones. So there's no massive change to their daily routine, which again is a massive plus.
0: I want to go back a little bit to your friend who's, who did the PhD and there's an extensive research behind the development of this product. How did you build a link into selling the product here? Is it a licensed deal? Because I understand the founders in Netherlands, is that right?
1: Yeah, so Hester's based over in Holland at the moment. So, you know, I was one of the first people she met outside of Holland to think about whether this could expand. But we see ourselves much more than just holding a license because we've done some of our own research products here. We've had input into the design and we ourselves ensure that there's a massive post installation process. So it's not just a case of providing clients with a product and walking away and, you know, counting their money. It's more a case of using that um, profits that we make to come back and give training, to monitor that the product is being used and to set up our body scheme. So we're actually in the process of putting together something called a social impact development framework. And that's through a course for social entrepreneurs that I was lucky enough to get a place on. And what we're really doing there is trying to quantify and codify how we're changing society's life through maybe it's a decreasing loneliness or it's increasing happiness. And that's what's really, really exciting.
0: So for you, it's much more than a, a license agreement or simply a contract. It's a relationship that you've built with with your friend or built upon with your friend. So
1: irrespective of the technology, for me, it's more than that. It's about changing the lives of people living with dementia and other cognitive impairments where we're moving towards. So I don't care actually what the technology is. And that's not really the key. It's how you implement it. And we are focused as a company here in the UK on long term implementation you know receiving emails from clients two and a half years afterwards telling us how they're using it every day and that it is still magical I mean that is what it's about because you've made a discernible difference.
0: Let's say I'm passionate as as you are about a a product that I've seen and I really you know like you said want to make a difference what steps can lead to a successful like a license agreement between two parties?
1: I think you have to be very open and Passion will get you so far, but you have to be very structured and very careful with your thinking, and you have to be transparent and honest with everyone that you're dealing with because that's what can lead to frustrations. And I think you have to appreciate the value that other people are giving you otherwise you'll lose track of that, but you know in general, it's very much about going with your gut and you know you get one chance I'm very much of the view you know having I mean, seen what happened to my dad is you get one go at this thing we call life, and i've you know much happier out there doing something that changes and creates happiness than maybe sitting behind a desk reading document after document, and so the tips really are that if you're passionate about it and it works and people are willing to buy something. Then you you're most of the way there. Then it's about listening for guidance and finding experts that can give you advice and stuff you've got no idea about. And then learn quickly and be prepared to make mistakes and get things wrong because you always will. But you do that with everything. So you learn.
0: Did you have some expert help in terms of the license agreement, or did your background help you already?
1: Well, I you know understand uh, legal contracts, so that was fine. But that's very different to how commercial operations work you know, you have to learn for yourself. Yes, I'm lucky to have worked in the commercial world and have quite an analytical mind and be able to, you know, look for solutions. But I've made sure, at least my team tell me and I try to live by it, that I am always listening to everyone that we're working with because they often have really good views and that's how you can get
0: better. Yeah, listening is one of the key things all leaders should do, collaborating and getting everybody involved. I couldn't agree more. Could you tell us a little bit about how much it costs? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, again, included in our price uh, is the ability to – well, it's, sorry, it's not just about the product. It's about a whole service that we deliver with it. So there's training, the buddy program, monitoring the use of it, and installation and ensuring that, you know, it really is changing the lives of, of the loved ones, the people that it's intended for. Um, so prices start from about £6,000 exclusive of VAT. There are extra games that you can get on top and, you know, we're looking, to, we're looking to see whether there is a way of creating a monthly option so that it can become even more of a subscription service so that there is, you know, our commercial success is directly linked to our social success, um, which would just be absolutely brilliant. You know, if we're not delivering on a monthly basis, then clients shouldn't have to pay for it and it would actually maybe help with the capital cost up front.
0: Is that 600 locations in the UK? We're installed in about 500 in the UK
1: and Ireland, and we've sold into nearly 600. Um, But we're we're kind of selling 50 to 100 a month now, which is mesmerising. And so we're installing a similar amount. So it's really, really, really um, caught up.
0: And what are your hopes, say, in three years' time, in terms of how many places the Magic Table is located in, or do you have other aspirations
1: well, I think the aspirations are how many loved ones we're affecting. And then obviously that means that there are going to be more locations. But we're going to carry on looking at our post installation process. And we're going to turn our attention to those living with learning disabilities and other cognitive impairments and, you know, other geographical locations. But I think it's part and parcel of the same thing. As long as we're delivering on, on our service and our implementation, then, you know, I've seen the world as our, our oyster. You know, we've already we've already almost surpassed how many we sold last calendar year in the first four months of this year. So it's just unbelievable and it's just brilliant how, how
0: people have taken to it. In terms of growth, you mentioned almost 50 to 100 per month, which is on, on your current rate of 600, which is quite a high rate of growth, 10 to 20% a month is, is, is pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, um, but again, for me, it is ensuring that we deliver on quality, that we install well and that we have the implementation with each unit
0: so where can people learn more about the magic table and get in touch
1: so if you would like to get in touch um, specifically with us here in the uk it'd be good to email us on info at shift eight at and then the number eight dot uk. and if you'd like a little bit more information around our actual products please go to our website which is www. T-O-V-E-R-T-A-F-E-L dot co.uk so that's um, tovertafel.co.uk and we're also on Twitter and Facebook at at uk for each of
0: those that's great Uh, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your insights into into the journey for Magic Table on Tovertafel thanks
1: for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor at www.vinnyshencar.net Slash 15 minutes
0: with the doctor. Uh huh. Doctor Vinay shared calls. Uh huh. Doctor Vinay shared calls. That's what's up.